Troy. Thanks so much for making the time to come on the show. Of course, man. Thanks for having me, Sean. Yeah, I was uh, very excited to to have you on. Of course, I was as I was going through the the typical research. Um, fascinating story, by the way. I've, I've of course seen your Shark Tank. I've seen your uh, the stories before, but the details of the upcoming story that you've had is fascinating. Um, I'm going to start with the high school rap group. Two, two, two as the number, too many. Uh, first off, I mean, who came up with the name? Like, what was the story behind there? And talk to me a little about reliving back those experiences. It, it, uh, the name is it actually started off as a joke because, you know, it was three of us in the group is, you know, two of my best friends. And um, we always we only would have money or enough money for one of us. So it was always <laughs> too, too many. And so um, so it just kind of got it, it kind of stuck. So we called ourselves too, too many. Interesting. I mean, that's, those were the, the struggles back in the high school days. Right. So were you guys performing in lo- local city clubs or bars i mean this is high school though right so you can't even yeah, get into we were, we were way too young to perform in bars or like anywhere professionally but it would be mm-hmm. like the local ymca and and little house parties and you know we come from a place like philly had a really good dj culture and and dance culture so um so it, it would be a house party you know every every weekend you know so we used to just make our make our way through and um and most of those things, you know, people just would pick up the mics and kind of go at that point. So, um, but no, but nothing formal, no tours. No tours. Were you like freestyling back in those days or did you guys have specific songs that you would, you would be performing in these house parties? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. You had some freestyle, you had some things that were, that, that were written. So a little bit of both. Amazing. Wow. And then, and then you got eventually discovered by Will Smith. That was kind of this first moment of uh you know kind of getting into more deeper into the music world what, what's the story behind there of how that happened yeah we we just we had this idea you know that if we met jazzy jeff and fresh prince they were going to help us out so mm-hmm. um and you know and they were pretty much the uh biggest celebrities to come out of philadelphia at that particular time mm-hmm. and um and they were from our neighborhood and um, and we knew where Jazzy Jeff's recording studio was. So the idea was, let's just go down there every day until we can get an audition. And we just waited outside the studio. And then one day we were able to get into the studio. Were you guys friends before this? Or was this someone that, were they already, they've kind of already made it? And well, they, were already, they were already huge. You know, okay. so we, yeah, so we were just kids being stalkers in front of the studio. Oh my God. And then, I mean... That's talk about a hustle, right? I mean, that's especially in Philadelphia, having to come up with all these other people that also wanted to do what you want to do. I mean, ultimately, what made you think, you know, that Jazzy Jeff or, or Will Smith saw in you guys that made it stand out? If you were to kind of look back, yeah, my my, my friend, um, his name was Jazz, uh, who who was in a group with me. He basically in ninth grade had this whole thing about how thoughts become things. And he would just would always tell us that, like, you got to think positive. And so, you know, at a very young age, we were so, sort of learning these lessons around um, pos- positive thinking, um, being perseverance, 
um, you know, just being diligent and going after something. And we were just, you know, we were so passionate. And I think that's where um, I think being naive, uh, you know, at that age helped as well. Because, it, you know, we, it, there was no fear. We weren't scared of being embarrassed or, or you know, or being turned down or anything like that. It, we were just so passionate and excited that, you know, we just went for it. And, I, and, you know, those are traits that I still, you know, credit that era of my life, you know, because I still carry a lot of that. Um, but that was, the, that was the sort of formation around that thought process for me around, you know, just the, the power of staying positive and the power of, of being able to persevere. Mm. And you're, say, you're still saying that level, that those lessons that you've learned, just the idea of being fearless and just constantly going after what you want is really credit to back in those days when you had nothing and you had to really fight for everything to get to where you are today. Yeah, it, you know, it was, um, you know, I think not um, having a plan B. And, you know, so, so for me, there were never really any thoughts of, you know, am I going to go to college? Because that was something that just was never discussed, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our house. And, um, you know, the whole idea was, you know, if you, gra- if, if you graduate a high school, you would either go into the armed services or you just go find a job. And, you know, for mm-hmm. me, um, neither one was really that, uh, an attractive option for me at that particular time in my life. And I dropped out in 11th grade and, you know, had a GED, you know, from Job Corps. So it's not like you were going to have a ton of top job choices, you know, yeah. come, come out of that. So I think, you know, just having that sort of um, nothing to lose and everything to gain, you know, it, it just gave me the ability just to take chances. Did you ever end up getting like a normal everyday nine to five job or did you just go straight and deeper into the music world after? I, I had a bunch of jobs as a teenager, like, you know, just I worked at McDonald's. I worked at Burger King. Um, I worked at a restaurant called Olga's Kitchen, you know, as a busboy. You know, I threw house parties, you know, I, so I did, I did all of these different things. But just, you know, we didn't have a lot of money as a family. So if I wanted a new pair of sneakers or if I wanted, you know, clothes for the new school year, you know, a lot of times I would have to, you know, make some money to have new clothes or new things or whatever, you know, without, um, you know, my, my, we just couldn't afford it at that, at that particular time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And growing up, cause I know your dad was a big influence on you and you, you know, you talk a lot about how his res- resilience and being able to pick his life up back up uh, after he got out of prison was a big influence in terms of, you know, how you see life and the situations that you go through. Was he around at that time when you were young? Yeah, you know, what was interesting when, when I was, um, my dad went to prison when I was about six years old, six or seven years old. And, um, but prior to that, you know, he was a, he was a social worker and, um, and very active in, in, in our lives. You know, although him and my, my mom were divorced, he was really active in our, in our lives. And then one day I sort of woke up and he wasn't, wasn't there. And, um, and, you know, what I later found out was him and my, um, my stepmother's, uh, brother got into a, a, a fight and, um, and he used a gun and he ended up killing her, 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 her his brother-in-law. And, you know, it taught me lessons around, 
consequences, you know, number, number one, and how, you know, one bad night could change, you know, your life. You know, this is a guy who had, you know, three sons and was a veteran and served this country and was a social worker and, you know, and, and lost his head that night and, um, and ended up doing almost 13 years in jail. Wow. And, um, and when he came home, um, he couldn't get a, he couldn't get a job at first, you know, because of, you know, the circumstances he ended up finally, you know, becoming a driver for, you know, a woman who lived out in the suburbs. And, um, he did that for a few years. And, um, but during that time period, he was, uh, he tried to become a social worker again. And because of his, you know, his, his record, he couldn't, they wouldn't allow him. And he ended up appealing a few times until he finally won the appeal. And so, you know, fast forward, you know, probably let's call it almost 20 years later, you know, he retired as a social worker mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, but came out, became patriarch of the family. And, you know, it just, it just, it, it really, he's just a special, he's a special human being. And it's like, I've learned so many lessons from him and, you know, our, our families learned a lot of lessons from him, but, you know, it's, it's, it's about redemption and it's about, you know, being able to, you know, if you, if you fall, you know, do you let that fall define your life or do you learn from those lessons and, you know, and sort of take your life to another, another level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was the main lesson you feel that you've learned from his story is just the ability to come back from probably some of the worst points of, you know, uh, that someone can really go through because, you know, on, on top of, you know, the, the unfair, probably stereotypes around, you know, in society, you're also dealing with the, the criminal record and stuff. And it's just obstacle after obstacle, but he still was able to, you know, able to bounce back in the end. And that, I'm sure that was a big role model for you. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, not letting circumstances define you and not and 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 not defining yourself um, by way of circumstances. And, you know, because a lot of people use excuses and labels and all of these things to say, you know, I can't make it because of X, Y, Z or, you know, I made this mistake, so I'll never be able to do, you know, X, Y, Z. Or, you know, because of my race, I can't do X, Y, Z. Or because of my sex, I can't do X, Y, Z. Or because of my religion, I can't do X, Y, Z. And, and for me, like just when, when, you're, when you're dealt the hand that I was dealt or, you, de- or, or you, de- you deal yourself the hand that I've dealt myself or even that, you know, in that particular instance, my dad had dealt himself, you know, um, can, can, you, can you come back from it? And so, you know, this is a thing that, you know, I, I just, li- I just live by it. Yeah. It's always a good reminder, right? You I mean, obviously there is still injustice and unfair stereotypes where certain people have, uh, you know, an upper hand in many parts of careers and jobs and, and other parts of life. But it's always a good reminder to see that people before us, generations before us dealt with much worse and much bigger crutches. Absolutely, Sean. And, you know, so like for me, you know, like when bias is very real, systemic racism is is very real. Um, You know, if you look at all of the data and you look at sort of, um, 
you know, average net worth of, of, of families by race, you know, and you look at education systems and you look at all of those things, there's no denying that this isn't real and that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. With that being said, are we going to let that stop us from becoming what we need to become and, and executing what we need to execute? And, and, and so just, you know, my thing is just not allowing ourselves to use that as an excuse. We know it exists, but how, how do we, we might just have to work twice as hard. Yeah. We might just have to, you know, uh, become entrepreneurs. We might have to do things ourselves. We, we have to fundraise differently. We have to bootstrap sometimes, you know, so, so many hurdles, but I'm just, I'm just not one to let those hurdles get in my way or use those hurdles as excuses of not, you know, of not succeeding. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly your experience that can be a, a testament to that. You just kind of, whether you liked it or not, you just kind of had to burn the boat behind you and go after what you wanted and adapt more particularly around the situation that you were in. I'm curious to know for people that are listening that maybe haven't had the hardship that you had growing up and, and they have a little bit trouble like adapting to this, all of these circumstances, maybe it's someone that just quit their job and they're trying to mentally prepare uh, all the things that could go wrong in a business. Is that something that is teachable? The idea of being able to adapt and to, you know, go under the, the fence and figure out anything that needs to be done. Is that something that is teachable or, or you know, in, in some, in some instance, the people that have had these hardships throughout their earlier you know, teenage years and young adulthood, do they have, um, you do kind of need to go through these experiences? Yeah, I, I think it's very teachable. Like, I, like, I don't think people are born. I don't think entrepreneurs are born. Um, I, I do think we're shaped and, um, and, you know, I think having the, 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 the psychology of, resilience and and uh and perseverance is the most important piece of it and um because you know you no matter who you are um you're going to go through some tough circumstances right you know like so although like my childhood is much different from mark zuckerberg's childhood but with that being said mark deals with some incredibly tough things that he has to managed through mm-hmm. and you know and that's just with his business that that doesn't give us insight on his personal life you know that you know and that i'm sure he has to work through hardships there because as human beings it's just certain things that we aren't immune to whether it's health whether it's family matters whether it's depression whether it's heartbreak like so it's all of these things that as 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 human beings we're just not immune to so how do we manage our psychology as we go through those things? And a lot of it, you know, for me personally is how do I constantly feed myself with positive information, positive affirmations, um, listen, whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's reading certain books, whether it's hanging with certain people, um, listening to certain songs. I have a board up in my office, you know, with pictures on the board. Um, I like, is all of these things that I have to do to keep myself within a mindset. And it, and it sounds like some of it may sound 
corny. Some of, some people think, oh my God, you've done well. You still have to do this type of stuff. And the answer is yes, because it's, it's, it's a constant psychology that you're working on. And it's very similar to athletes where, you know, you, you, you might win a championship last year, but, you know, you have to work on things in the off season to be able to compete for that championship that following year and sort of get better and better and better. But the psychology of being on that court and making those foul shots and understanding what's going to happen on that court before it happens is like, and and telling yourself that you're the best, Mm -hmm. telling yourself that you're supposed to be on, you're supposed to have a seat at the table, you know? So, cause we'll get into our own self doubt and, treat our, and we'll talk to ourselves worse than our worst enemy would talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly for, uh, you know, I think you, I think you nailed it. I mean, there's always different levels, right? There's a, there's a level that you want, maybe you've reached a certain level, but you want to go to that next level. And that requires a rethinking of your strategy, of your mentality, and you're maybe you're going against tougher competition, and it's there's never an ending process, right? So I love that you're able to remind people that are listening that it's not this thing that you just can kind of turn on whenever you want, and that you don't have to continue to work on. You have to go back to the fundamentals, the foundations that brought work. you there. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a. Um an article from Wall Street Journal that I framed that's in my gym. And it's the title of the article is How LeBron James Became Steph Curry. And so it's from about three years ago. And what had happened was when um, Steph Curry and Clay and that whole idea around the Splash Brothers and Golden State Warriors, um, they started winning championships. And, this, and the three-point shot was just, had just become ubiquitous with Golden State Warriors. So in order to beat the Warriors, you were going to have to start making, uh, you, you were going to have to become a three-point team. And LeBron James wasn't really known as a perimeter shooter. So in order for him to compete and to get championships again, he, he had to change his entire game. He had to become, so all of a sudden, you, you're a little bit older, your body has to readjust, so you have to play a little bit different, and you have to learn a three-point shot to end up winning a championship. And what I started thinking about was he probably had to make a lot of bad shot attempts that he missed in order to start making shots at the end of the day. Right. And so you got to be embarrassed. You got to be willing to put yourself out there, and you got to be willing to almost have a, a beginner's mindset in order to change your game. And so when I saw that article, I just put it up because I'm like, that's the mindset that I have. I have to live within that mindset because in the music industry, things are constantly changing. Am I, am I staying ahead of, 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 the, of those changes? And, and tech where, you know, I do, you know, a lot of early stage tech investing, um, technology changes. Am I, am, am I ahead of, of, of that curve as well? And so, you know, so just thinking about it that way and constantly keeping, on my, keeping it on my mind, I just need those constant visual cues in my life. So that whether it's a, an article I hang, whether it's a screensaver for my computer, whether it's, a, you know, a, a whiteboard in my office, I need those visual cues outside of just, you know, trying to remember certain things. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm totally there with you. And the context of the next question that I'm about to ask is probably uh, not 100% analogous to what you mentioned, but I, I can imagine someone listening to this where, you know, if they were to hear this, they could also think in their heads where the common phrase that people talk about when it comes to strategy and adaptation is don't fix what's not broken. And, you know, how would you answer someone that asks that question where there's, you know, perhaps certain examples of people that have fixed it, fixed whatever that was kind of working, but, you know, in the end, it's, it, it didn't work out for them, perhaps, let's say. Um, what would your, I guess, ex, you know, uh, advice for be for, for those people that have fear of making changes and adapting uh, because they're, they've always been told, don't fix what's broken? I, I think, um, <laughs> I think, I think that's a statement of, um, of complacency when people think about, you know, if, if, it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it because somebody will break it for you. And, mm-hmm. and, and so that's when companies get a little too comfortable in their market position. And all of a sudden you have, you know, a, a, a startup who comes and changes the entire business and you can't catch up. And, but that goes for personal growth as well. So, you know, if, and if, if, if you're not constantly iterating on yourself, you're actually going backwards. So there's no, there's no neutral there. It's like if you're, if you're not growing, you're, 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 you're dying essentially. Right. So because it's always people that's growing, there's always people that's trying to learn faster, learn new things. So I, I, I think I just wouldn't look at it as it has to be because um, once it's broken, that means you're too late. Mm. That means you're too late. Yeah. You're right. playing catch up to fix versus that that constant iteration Mm. yeah love it um i don't know if it's personal but do you have a personal process that you could share that you go through when you're trying to and i'm sure this depends on the situation but whenever maybe you have doubts or when you're trying to think a different way or you're trying to think positive is there a certain system or process that uh, you know, has worked for you that perhaps other people can also experiment, whether it's a quote that you always go back to, or, or, or maybe a chapter of a book that you always listen to, or, or, or uh, you know, a vision board that you refer to. Is there anything that you can share around what has worked for you in, you know, particularly at the level that you're playing right now? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it all kind of depends on, you know, particular circumstances, but it's, it's definitely books that I go back to mm. is, you know, I'm not a religious person, but like um, Psalms 27, you know, in the Bible is one of my, my favorite um, verses to, to, to read. And like, you know, it's, and it, it, it's it, like, to me, it's like just that positive reinforcement of things. And, um, and me- meditation works a lot for me, but just uh, like to be very, very specific the people that are around me is very important to me. And from, from a mindset perspective. Yeah. And because when I need to get into a certain space, I can't have negative people around me. And I'm very vocal about it when I talk to people, because like, Mm -hmm. you know, as you're trying to figure things out, 
you don't want people killing ideas before they're they're born, and you don't want people who are just pessimists. Like and 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 there's a line of walking where you don't want just yes men around you of people yeah. who are just going to tell you what you want to hear, but you do want people who are going to feed your soul and and put that battery in your back. And and like my my partner, um, my co-founder Susie is incredibly great at that. Like, so where she knows how to put the battery in my back and I know how to put the battery in her back. And so when you have that, it just gives you a certain level of confidence and, and positivity to be able to spread throughout your organization. But if you have, whether it's at home or work or within your friend group, people who tell you every reason why something can't happen, yeah. You're, that's the wrong is that's the wrong energy and it's like it, and, and it's almost like sowing seeds and and dead soil <laughs> you know it's like yeah. you 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 want people around you who are going to help feed the ideas help help if if something doesn't sound right they're going to say hey have you thought about it this way or add mm-hmm. ideas or i like or hey Maybe you should talk to X, Y, Z about this because they probably can even make that idea you said even better. So it's just that sort of positive energy to keep keep around you because otherwise, you know, you'll 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 drown it. They'll add to the self doubt. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's, that's a great example, particularly as people work in the work you know workspace and they're trying to bounce around different ideas. I mean, they certainly have a place, right? You want the devil's advocate, particularly if you're an optimist. You know, I'm I'm more of the optimist, and my co-founder is a little bit more of the pessimist who 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 can balance the the two together because you don't want someone that's too far, you know, on one side as well. Um, but it's a good point that you want. Initially, particularly as you build the fire and fuel it, you want to get the right people on board. And it seems like what you're saying is you're vocal about the people that are not uh, part of that inner circle initially. How do you communicate that? And I think this relates to filtering you know, the, the, the group of friends that you're in or the people that you hang out with, you always are approached, I'm sure by artists and founders, you know, how do you vocally communicate the, uh, the, the process of being clear and maybe saying no, um, for now in a way that doesn't put people off. Cause I'm sure you've had much training from this process. Yeah, you know, I, I think saying no is like that's you know, is I was a talent manager for a lot of years. Yes, and ninety nine point nine percent of my job was saying no to people, you know, because it's yeah. like you know, people will call for the talent to do you know everything, and um, and it's very rare when one of those incoming calls are actually something that talent should be doing. So, um, so I'm so me, I never feel any guilt. And, and, and saying no. And what's really, really hard is saying no to great ideas. That's the hardest thing. And um, can you elaborate on that? Because, you know, when, when there's when you have a lot of choices and a lot of them end up being great choices, the hardest thing is to stay focused and say no to things that sound really good or things that might be great opportunities or 
opportunities to collaborate with somebody that might be incredible, but your mission might be A, and this is the way that, you know, you should be going. Cause it's so, it's so, cause all of a sudden you get these really interesting choices that, that you can make. And that goes for entrepreneurs, artists, and, you know, and anybody who might be, you know, sort of in demand. So that's the hardest part is saying no to the really good things. How do you have that process put in place so that you're able to, you know, remain diligent, particularly as an investor and as a, as a CEO and a co-founder, uh, sorry, as the leader amongst your company, is there a particular one? I mean, for me, like a very simple one is, is I, one of the authors I love is Derek Sivers and he has a blog post called Hell Yes or No, which is like, if it's not a hell yes, whether it's someone that you want to hire or it's a place you want to live or if it's someone you want to date, uh, make that a framework and and say no otherwise. I think this is particularly helpful for people that have trouble saying no. And and that's more on the other side. Like you really want to train yourself to make sure it's 99% or no. Uh, but for you, where you probably have thousands of different things, opportunities and, and stuff coming at you, um, how have you built the framework or process to make those decisions? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily buy into the hell yes or no. Mm, like, interesting. Like, okay. Uber was not when I invested in Uber. That wasn't a hell yes. Mm. That was okay. This sounds this sounds interesting. That's probably eighty five percent of the investments that I made that worked weren't hell yeses. They were. Huh. You know, this seems really interesting. Let's see it. Let's see if this works. And so, because you, you, you don't, sometimes the information is absent that would get you to the point of saying, hell yes. You know, so, you know, every once in a while, there are opportunities that come along that, you know, if somebody's, you know, if it's an incredible pre-IPO company that like, of course, is like, hell yes, I'm going invest, to invest in that. Or if it's a terrible company, it's easy to say no. But, you know, sort of C series, series A, you know, it may not be enough information there to get you to hell. Yes. So sometimes you just have to just go with your gut, um, have, you know, um, reasonable enthusiasm or, or um, some level of conviction. But it, it's not always as black and white as all in or all or or all out for me at least yeah yeah i think particularly in the field of investing that that probably won't apply you know the idea that if your neighbors are asking about whether you use this app it's probably too late to invest or to even yeah. get involved right yeah 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 but yeah so 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 for me it's like it's um it's an iterative process um and it, it 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 kind of depends on the circumstances of like how I get to a, a, a yes or yes or a no. Mm-hmm. But um but I just don't usually carry any guilt um for 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 saying no. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Because the the other piece of it is other people's priorities aren't necessarily your priorities. So it's like and they shouldn't be your priorities. You know, so it, because you you'll get Something that might be very important to um, a stranger, he might email you about, or you know, or an associate might, you know, might be important to them. But when you have 
your priorities and, and things that you need to get done and things that might be more important to you. It's like, you know, it's, it, people will impose, um, you know, their sort of thoughts and priorities on you. Like you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's so hard with phone notifications and, and emails and on-demand access, right? These days. Absolutely. Yeah. This might, this might align well with my, with my next question and shifting gears a bit around the idea of focus versus diversification. And I, uh, maybe we can go kind of go back into when you were managing artists in your early thirties you have this story about how, um, there was a particular artist that, you know, you were really focusing on, on, on building her career. And, you know, when things kind of went, 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 uh, when sour, it was, there was a point in your life that was very difficult. You were close to bankruptcy and, and it was a very difficult moment where particularly, um, there was a lesson learned around diversification, making sure that, you know, when, uh, I believe it was Lady Gaga that came to you, you had, you had foundations and principles in place that made sure you had that diversification in place. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you still balance focus versus, you know, the idea of diversification, uh, maybe not as an investor, but because that's pretty you know, obvious, but maybe more as you as an as a, as a entrepreneur and just as an overall uh, professional. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what I would do is kind of put them in two buckets, right? So I think the diversification that, um, that I was primarily speaking of in, in that interview was really around um, the financial diversification because my sort of um, income was 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 dependent on um, this sort of one at one area and I even think what you know sometimes with your own business even if you have a successful business you know some of the most successful entrepreneurs diversify their own their own personal holdings so when we see yeah. Bezos or, or Bill Gates, you know, selling stock and, and, you know, having different, you know, ventures and family office and things along those lines, you know, you, you basically want to have um, diversification there. Um, I'm a firm believer in like being able to have an incredible amount of domain expertise. So I, I believe in focus around domain expertise and it's fo focus until you have an extreme amount of domain expertise. So like when I was managing Eve um, for the first two years, I want to say she was my primary client. And it's like it was, you know, sort of all in because I was really just learning the management business. So, you know, it was like this deep dive and down this rabbit hole and sort of by her side every day. And then, you know, as we got more established, I brought on more clients and start, you know, hire people and, you know, things along those lines. And then as I learned and sort of mastered the music industry um, and started moving into tech, I did a super deep dive and spent, you know, probably a, a year and a half, almost two or three days a week in Silicon Valley, um, really understanding the culture, the people, the, the language, um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not like you just can invest. It's like you, you people didn't, people stopped thinking of me as an outsider. And it was like, uh, you know, I became 
a part of a, of a, of a, of a family and a culture. So, but that was because I invested in the domain expertise. And then I did the same thing in art, you know, being able to go incredibly deep. But so where there's diversification between music, art, and technology, but I also went deep in the domain expertise of, of, of right. each of those. If so, externally, it won't look like any focus. If you're looking at it externally, like if people are looking externally, and uh, it'll look like, oh, this is a lot. But, it, but the, the sort of work that went into it and, and, and the structure around it sort of allowed it to, to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I wonder if there is some um, applicable analogy for maybe founders or entrepreneurs that you invest into that are kind of starting out. Do you recommend they try to diversify or for founders, do you think it should just be all in one company until you reach a certain revenue? All all, all in, Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm 100% all in and knowing every every single thing about the business. Like, you know, when, what I loved about, you know, Neil and Dave from Warby Parker, they knew everything about, eyewear about eye diseases like every Mm. single thing there was to know about the competitive landscape you know like it's just you name it they knew it and and were passionate about it and you know same thing with you know with, with the uber team all in like understanding all of the nuance of local transportation all throughout the world how it worked taxi commissions, airport commissions, the car industry. So it's like being able to go that deep, that's what you want in the founder. That's, right. that's what you really want. And that's how you build, you know, the types of companies that, that the people that I'm talking about have built. Mm-hmm. So beyond passion, domain expertise, uh, I mean, at this point, you're seeing so many ideas and founders come to your table. What are some of the other traits that you, particularly for yourself, look for when it comes to more intuition decision-making? Obviously, if there is data and the company's growing incredibly fast, you know, the data kind of speaks for itself. But in situations where you really have to make that X-factor decision, what is it that you're looking for beyond the what things you just mentioned? You know, so, so like with in, intuition, and even when I speak about like gut and, and you know, and intuition, it's all, it's all data. And, you know, so, mm-hmm. so it's like, it's just sort of, gathering data points from from somewhere so whether that's experience that i've had um as a consumer and understanding you know the space that or my own experience that i've gone through around a certain product or or sector um information that might have come from other investors who might have invested in the space so it's just gathering all of those things and sort of what is that? Does that equal up to an intuition to, to go? And then, you know, one of the qualities, you know, like I lo- founders have to know how to sell. It's a very big thing. You have to know how to sell. And I don't mean in a corny way of like the used car salesman, you know, sort of uh, slick back hair, used car salesman thing is that that's not it. it but it's, it's, when you know how to talk about your business or talk about your sector um, and and why, and your why, but you know better than anybody else, and and like that, 
that is infectious. It's, it's really infectious. And there's founders that we, that companies that we've invested in where I wasn't all the way there on the company, but I was, I was there on the founder and the, and the conviction. And they, time and time again, they figure it out. And so, you know, that, that's the things that, those are the things that I look for. Yeah, particularly in the early stages where there's maybe not enough data to really make those informed decisions, right? Absolutely. Yeah, got it. So as, as a last theme here, Troy, um, I want to talk a little bit about standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, it seems like when you're talking about just gathering data and, and the mentors that you've had, obviously your father was one of them. Um, is there particular CEOs or uh, other thought leaders that you've been able to build relationships with? I mean, one thing that came, comes to mind just based on your your history is is working with Daniel Eck. He's actually one of my you know favorite CEOs to study, and because he's got such a different mindset about how he approaches business, and and obviously how futuristic he he is in terms of how he thinks. Um, are there? Uh, I guess maybe we can start there. You know, if, if that was someone that you've been able to learn from, um, what were some of those lessons that maybe you're taking away into your own company today? Uh, and, and are there other mentors and thought leaders that you've really, um, you know, been inspired by? Yeah, you know, Dan, Daniel is an incredibly special guy, and you know, somebody who I consider just a good friend and. Um, a mentor and just like incredibly brilliant. And da- Daniel's 10 years younger than me and is nice. and probably one of the best mentors that, that, that I've had. And um, he's incredibly patient and, and, and I've learned uh, patience from Daniel. Um, he thinks 10 years ahead of, of, of where the business currently is. And so sort of being able to have that long view around horizon. And then also I've never seen him with his feathers ruffled and, and, and really crazy circumstances. Hmm. And, you know, those are the types of leaders that, that you want to follow. Like for me, when I went to work, you know, um, at Spotify, it was really about working with Daniel. Like, you know, so, you know, at that point in my life, I didn't need a, a job. It was about, okay, I feel like I can learn a lot from Daniel. Um, I feel like I could contribute a lot to the business. And I had never run a big company before. You know, I've run mm. small boutique talent management companies. That's, here's a chance for me to, you know, build a team of th- a few hundred people and, you know, work with a team of, you know, a few thousand people and, or, or more and then work, you know, with a, a, a global company and then help take them public, you know. And, and so the lessons I, I've learned so much from him. Jimmy Iovine um, is another person. Jimmy was the founder of Interscope Records and Beats by Dre, co-founder. And Jimmy's been a mentor for me for over 20 years and mm. has helped me out in my personal life with things, um, helped me figure out how to be a better executive, how to, how to just um, refine some of my rough edges, you know, coming from, uh, you know, just school of hard knocks into, okay, yeah. you're dealing, you're playing on a bigger stage now. Like, you know, sure. you got to level up and grow up and, 
he gave me a lot of great lessons and, you know, I love Jimmy dearly. And then, you know, Jay-Z, somebody else who, you know, who has been a friend for a long time and just incredibly wise and, and has given me just great advice and just has been there as a brother, like Mm -hmm. just somebody who I, and Jay Brown, who's his partner is somebody else. So like I just guys that I just feel like have helped me out tremendously. Is there a particular lesson you've learned from Jay-Z or, or, or Jimmy Iovine that you could, you could share? Um, you know, I, I think Jim, Jimmy's is, you know, as one great lesson was Troy, as long as the cat is bigger than the shit, you keep the cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, so, 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 you know, that, and that's just classic Jimmy, but, you know, it's just about, you know, sometimes you got to persevere through certain things and put up with certain things yeah. until you don't have to put up with it anymore, you know? And so that, 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 that was, you know, Jimmy's way of like, hang in there. It'll, it'll get better and you won't have to deal with, you know, the stuff that you're dealing with today, you know, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow might look a lot different. So he's given me incredible, you know, wor- wor- words of encouragement. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, Jay, Jay's just a guy who's always led by example, but has, has, has you know, it's just this lesson around, just don't forget, don't forget who you are, you know, and because, you know, we come from similar places and, and, you know, I've been through, you know, crazy circumstances in, 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 our, in our business but like, you know, having people like Jay that can give you that encouragement when you need it and just know that, you know, you got guys like, you know, Rock Nation and, 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 and Diddy and people like that who are people I consider my big brothers who have my back and, you know, and they know thick and thin I have theirs as well. Yeah. And just being around, knowing that you can rely on those people and seeing what they're doing is probably enough motivation to you know, keep persevering with what you're doing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we certainly want to talk, you know, make sure that people know about q and I wasn't sure if there's other projects that you're working on or any, anything else that you want to talk about or, or, uh, or, or share with the people that are listening. No, I think this is great. You know, I, I, I was definitely, you know, a, a fan after listening to, to your podcast. And so I'll, I'm, I'm not, I'm not promoting anything. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm here to, to engage in, in a conversation. And, you know, I think that, you know, talking to you has been great. And I think it's, you know, encur- encouraging a, a, a lot of entrepreneurs who need that encouragement. That's amazing. Well, I think that's a great way to end off, you know, talking about the mentors that have inspired you, because I think, you know, listening, people listening to this will probably see you as that, you know, virtual mentor that, they can learn from. I certainly learned a lot from this conversation as well, Troy. So again, I really appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate everyone that is able to tune in to this episode. And um, yeah, we'll 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 definitely. Uh, also, is there social media stuff that you want to make sure we'll, we'll link it either way? But yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not on social media. So I'm, you're I'm, not. I'm not on social. That's the that's the that's part of my way of being able to keep stay away from noise. That's so the secret. Yeah. Off of social media for about five or six years now. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Good and then, for you. Uh, Clubhouse, Clubhouse I'll, I'll, I'll do every once in a while. And okay. I, and, um, but otherwise, not on. 
I love it. I love it. Well, leading by example, Troy. I love it. Well, thanks so much for uh, tuning in, guys. And, and Troy, once again, thanks so much for uh, making the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.